0: out there, um, and uh, I met with private meetings with churchmen and then had um, a few public meetings also while we were there regarding the Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate and Protestant resistance theory. For those who are in the you know, mentoring for ministry, there's four of you, um, I have a book that I want to give you, so meet with me after church, and you know who you are. This is the King James Only Controversy by James White. I want to give that to them and I wanted to make it known to you. It's a phenomenal work. It's been out for a long, long time, but it's a classic. And what I love about the work is not only does it address the King James Only Controversy, but it is a fantastic primer regarding hermeneutics. Massively important regarding hermeneutics and he lays it out in such an easy to be understood fashion. So you're looking for a good book to read? This is an excellent one um, The King James Only Controversy by James White. So, by the way, check out this book I got On Resistance to Evil by Force. This is written by an Orthodox brother back in 1925 who lived through the Bolshevik Revolution was a student and ardent supporter of Hegel, and then realized how awful Hegel was once the fruit of his teachings became evident in Russia. So he wrote this in the midst of everything that was going on over there. His name's Ilyin, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, And he, he wrote this work back then. So I'm looking forward to reading it and seeing what he has to say about these matters back then. Hegel, of course, taught the whole idea of statism, that the state is God. And we are living in the statist hell of Hegel (laughs) in our current day and age. We are in the midst of Hobbes' Leviathan. And uh, so it's exciting times, because if you know anything about the history of Christianity, it's a history of confrontation with the state. And the state is completely out of control and as an oppressor at this point, someone had mentioned during prayer time, the 50-plus um, the, uh, men who are being held in Washington, D.C., still, many of them in solitary confinement, uh, because of the January 6th matter. There's a great documentary that's out. Let me know if you can watch it without weeping, because I could not. But if you want to see it, it's 45 minutes long, and I'll be putting this out also to the church email. And I'll try to put it in our details box. We're at Rumble now, handle? Wow, okay. Well, cool. So we're off of YouTube for months. (laughs) We can't live stream there. And by the way, the sermon they attacked and put us on this ban from live streaming for two months, was my sermon regarding January 6th from a year and a half ago. Right after it, I did a sermon entitled Some Thoughts on the Patriot Gathering at Washington, D.C. That's the sermon they censored. Of course, they censored other of my sermons in the past, including, you know, The Shot and The Tyranny of Man. Um, But if you go to j6truth.org, you can watch the 45-minute documentary And you can also um, support their efforts in trying to help these people who are being tyrannized in the most despicable fashion. When you see what's happening here in America, it should grieve your heart. And there's been such little information that's come forth from it. Even most of the conservative, quote-unquote, people have thrown them all under the bus. So you watch and see something from a little different perspective. And I think that's it for all of my um, little stuff. Oh, Here's another work I'm, I mentioned Iliam's book, you know, because, I don't know why I did actually, but um, here's another work I'm reading right now. Richard Watson's response to Thomas Paine, an apology for the Bible. And um, I've always wanted to read this, and I'm finally making time to read it. I'll let you know if it's worth your time or not once I cut through it. Um, but Richard Watson was a churchman who responded to Thomas Paine's attack upon um, Holy Writ. Yes. The book before is on resistance to evil by force. Ilyin. I-L-Y-I-N, I think. At least it's not French, right? If there's any reason not to like the French, it's just because as as English can never pronounce their words right. I grew up in Detroit, and there was a street nearby called Gratiot. I lived just a block off Gratiot. And you wouldn't believe all the ways people pronounced that word when they saw it written out and they were looking for it. There was also a street nearby named Cadu. and you couldn't believe how people pronounced that word when they were asking you where that street was. So if you know anything about the French, they held Fort Detroit, and uh, why am I even talking about (laughs) this? I've lost my mind. Um, History, yes, history. (laughs) So, as you know, I'm in between books right now. And um, so I'm doing a series of sermons. And uh, I decided today that I'm going to do a sermon on, are all sins the same? So why don't you open up in your Bibles to James chapter 2, and let's stand for the reading of God's word. That's James chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 1 through 13. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. The scripture reads, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, You sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he's guilty of all. For you who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we give thanks and we give praise to you for this time that we have in your word. Lord, you see how this is a large, huge idea within our culture that all sins are equal, that all sins are the same. And Lord, your word teaches something wholly different than that. And Lord, I just ask and pray that you help me to set forth that which you've given me to declare regarding this topic, and that you would use it for good in the hearts and minds of all who are gathered here. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Could be seated. So a few weeks ago, one of my daughters was conversing with an acquaintance of hers, a girl, who claims to be a Christian, and the girl posted a picture of two men kissing and wrote how she loves to see such love. My daughter questioned her about it, how she could applaud a moral wrong that is clearly condemned in scripture, goes against the word of God. And the girl responded that, quote-unquote, all sins are the same. All sins are the same. Therefore, she, my daughter, should not make a big deal about homosex and accuse my daughter of being judgmental. He told my daughter that telling a white lie was not any different than practicing sodomy. So she should keep her mouth shut and not judge others. This sounds strangely familiar. Like I've listened to this for decades. It is an argument that has been around for decades. In fact, it is one of the great lies worthless churchmen proffered for the last three decades to help most all of evangelicalism be okay with, or at least silent about, homosex. I lived through it. I watched it. I know how they employed this slogan. To get many okay with homosex. They use this lie, they use this lie to pave the way for acceptance of homosex by Christian people, or at least to obtain their silence. And as my daughter was relaying this conversation to me, I was astounded that this lie continues. You know, I'm older now, 61. It's still going on the same lies men proffer to justify their sin to belittle sin, to minimize it, to neutralize anyone who stands against it, whether in their own life or the evils in society at large. I also realized it's been 25 years since I preached on this topic. How's that possible? But it has been. 25 years. So I thought, since I'm in between books right now, doing this series of topical sermons, this would be a good topic to speak on. I told my daughter that the text they used to try and teach that all sins are the same is James 2:10 and 11. It's the only one they have. And sure enough, the girl proffered that very passage to my daughter. <laughs> James 2:10 and 11. So that is our text to start with this morning in refuting this notion that all sins are the same, and that's why we read this passage at the beginning of our sermon. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. So let me begin by saying this. This passage does not teach that all sins are the same. Rather, James's point is that any sin makes you guilty before God. James is not teaching that all sins are the same here. He's teaching that any sin makes you guilty before God. That is a huge distinction. And the text bears that out. Notice our passage in its entirety, verses 1 through 13, which we read. The people James was writing to were, were sinning by showing partiality. A rich man comes in, and they cannot be nice enough to him. Oh, please, sit over here in this good place. A poor guy comes in with some filthy clothes on. Oh, yeah, why don't you just stand over there? Or, uh, my footstool's open. James says in verse 4 here in James 2, that their behavior in this regard had caused them to, quote, become judges with evil thoughts, unquote. Their partiality, their showing favoritism, brown-nosing the rich guy, had caused them to sin. He says that point blank to them in verse 9, does he not? You commit sin. If you show partiality, you commit sin. Their partiality, their showing favoritism, it caused them to sin, understand their actions were sin. They were transgressors of God's law. As James says there in verse 9, and he repeats it again in verse 11. And it is a straight-up violation of his law. Look at Leviticus chapter 19. Let's look at God's law. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 15. Turn with me there. The scripture reads, You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. They were showing partiality to the rich guys because they had money. And they were dishonoring the poor guy because he didn't. They were showing partiality. They were violating God's law. And understand they were also transgressors of what James calls here in chapter 2 of James, go back there, in verse 8, they were transgressors of the royal law, which is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then look what he goes on to say in verse 9, but if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Their actions were sin. By showing partiality to the rich guy, they were transgressors of God's law. James's point is he's trying to get them to see the seriousness of their sin. They could think, my sin isn't that big of a deal. It's just partiality. He's getting them to see the seriousness of it, that it's a sin against God. But again... That does not mean that all sin is the same. James's point is simply that any sin makes you guilty before God. Because look what he goes on to proffer as an example of what he's saying. In verse 10, he says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. You are guilty in the sight. Any sin makes you guilty in the sight of God. And then he goes on to say, For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Any sin makes you guilty in the sight of God, makes you a transgressor of his law and guilty in his sight. Any sin, and the scriptures are clear that all men have sinned, and we all stand guilty before God. This is the clear teaching of scripture. Again, James ends verse 11 like he did in verse 9. You have become a transgressor of the law. That is his point. You are guilty in the sight of God by any sin which you commit. And again, his point is that any sin makes you guilty before God, not that all sins are the same. Notice he says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all, unquote, Any sin makes you guilty before God. That's his point. And this assertion, that any sin makes you guilty before God, is found in Scripture repeatedly. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3, and let's look at verses 19 through 23. Romans chapter 3, verses 19 through 23. It says, now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped. He's already proven that all are under the law, whether um, a re- divine law is revealed in Scripture or through natural law. We know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law... No flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, no difference between Jew or Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Amen? For all have sinned. That does not mean we have all sinned the same sins. As James says in our text in verse 11, Now if you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. The point is not that all sins are the same, but that we have all sinned, and any sin makes you guilty before God. When you look at Romans chapter 6, verse 23, look at that verse, Romans chapter 6, Verse 23, it declares, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin, any sin, is death. You are guilty in the sight of God. All sins are not the same, but any sin can put you in hell. That's the point of Scripture. That was the point of James. As James said in verse 10 of chapter 2, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he's guilty of all. Any sin, or just one sin, is enough to convict a person as a sinner. And of course, the good news is what? That though we should have been put to death for our sins, God in his mercy sent his Son, so that if we'll turn from our sin and believe in Christ, God will forgive us of our sin, and we can have right standing with the Father. Amen? Extremely important. Matthew Henry says of this passage, James two ten and 11, in his commentary, Matthew Henry says, quote, not that all sins are equal, but that all carry the same contempt of the authority of the lawgiver and so bind over to such punishment as is threatened on the breach of that law. All sins are not the same. All sins are not equal. Sins are different. But any sin makes you guilty in the sight of God and under his righteous judgment. So understand, James is not saying all sins are the same. And, listen to me now, nowhere in all of Scripture does it say all sins are the same. In fact, the Bible teaches something wholly opposite Namely, that there are sins worse than others. So I just want to show you a few because we could stand up here till 3 p.m. going through passages. But I just want to share a few. The fact that any sin can condemn a person does not mean that all sins are the same or have the same consequences. The Bible plainly states in numerous places that God considers some sins to be greater or more evil than others. For instance, in Exodus chapter 32, verse 21, mark that down, Exodus 32, verse 21, Moses asked Aaron, quote, what did this people do to you that you brought so great a sin upon them? Unquote. So great a sin. Obviously, this is comparative language indicating that Aaron's sin was more evil or had greater implications than some other sin. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 8, or move there on your device. Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 6. God is speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, actually speaking to him. And it says in chapter 8, verse 6, Furthermore, he, God, said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel commits here to make me go far away from my sanctuary? Now turn again, you will see greater abominations. All sins are not the same. Look at verse 13, he repeats it. And he said to me, turn again, and you will see greater abominations that they are doing. He, things continue to get revealed to Ezekiel, things that are worse in the sins that the children of Israel were committing. Look at verse 15. Then he said to me, have you seen this, O son of man? Turn again, you will see greater abominations than these. All sins are not the same. Scripture never teaches that. We see this concept carried over into the New Testament as well. In Matthew 5.19, Jesus said that whoever breaks, quote, the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, unquote. Clearly, certain commandments were considered least, and by comparison, others must have been considered greater. The concept of greater commandments is found in Matthew 23, verse 23. There Jesus chastised the Pharisees for neglecting the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. His point was very clear. The failure to tie the tiny amount of spices was much less of a sin than the failure to administer justice and mercy to one's fellow man. All sins are not the same, nor are the consequences of them all the same here on earth. The consequences are all the same in heaven. Any sin you commit, and we're all sinners, we've all committed sin, any sin will put you in hell. But all sins are not the same. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 28, Jesus equates committing adultery with having lust in your heart. Remember that? Sermon on the Mount. And he equates committing murder with having hatred in your heart. However, this does not mean the sins are equal. What Jesus was trying to get across is that sin is still sin, even if you only want to do the act without actually carrying it out. The religious leaders of Jesus' day, the Pharisees, taught that it was okay to think about anything you wanted to, as long as you did not act on those desires. Jesus was taking that thinking to task. Jesus is making a clear, no, both lust and hate are sinful, but that does not mean that they are equal with actual adultery and murder. If you murder someone, it is worse than hating someone. Let your hate turn to actual murder, and the civil authorities will show you the difference. Jesus was teaching us to guard our hearts. Amen. All sins are not the same, and there are so many examples. What about God's law? You know, that thing that all of American Christianity has thrown under the bus so they can imbibe upon their licentious, antinomian ways while they redefine the ethic of love, a false love? Whenever you divorce the ethic of love from God's law and word, you can use the ethic of love to justify anything, even two men or two women marrying. Love must be defined according to God's law and word. So what about the law of God? The law of God has different penalties for different sins. Again, the word of God shows there are degrees of sin. Some sins are worse than others. Some sins are called abominations. Some are declared to be a curse. Some sins are said in scripture to pollute the land. They are not all the same. In his law, God applied different penalties to different sins. There are variations in the seriousness of some sins. A thief paid restitution. An occult practitioner was cut off from Israel. One who committed adultery or a homosexual act was put to death. All sins are not the same. God doesn't view a little white lie, as this girl said to my daughter, as equal with you practicing acts of sodomy. In closing, when you embrace the idea that all sins are the same, it causes you to have a flippant attitude towards sin. And I want to repeat that to you. When you embrace the idea that all sins are the same, it causes you to have a flippant attitude towards sin. It is meant to minimize sin. That little slogan, all sins are the same, all sins are equal, it's meant to minimize sin, minimize your sin and everybody else's sin, including huge national sins that destroy nations. It is meant to neutralize you from fighting against sin in your life and sin in society. And that is exactly what the girl that my daughter knows was trying to do. It is a corrupter. It is meant to help you justify your sin and the sin of society. Let me show you some of the consequence, some of the practical consequence when you embrace this lie that all sins are the same. This is something a churchman named Kevin D. Young wrote. And I want to read it to you. It's very short. This brother said this. He said, "As R.C. Sproul puts it, quote, the idea of gradation of sin is important for us to keep in mind, so we understand the difference between sin and gross sin." Unquote. In other words, R.C. Sproul is making it clear that all sins are not the same. There are sins that are worse. There is a gradation. There are degrees. There's some that are greater. There's some that are lesser. De Young goes on after that quote and says. All our sins are offensive to God and require forgiveness. But over and over, the Bible teaches that some sins are worse than others. The Mosaic legislation prescribes different penalties for different infractions and requires different sacrifices and payments to make restitution. Numbers 15 recognizes the difference between unintentional sins and those done with a high hand. Numbers 15, 29-30. Here's the problem, he says. When every sin is seen as the same, we are less likely to fight any sins at all. Why should I stop sleeping with my girlfriend when there will still be lust in my heart? Great point. Well said. He goes on and says, Why pursue holiness when even one sin in my life means I am Osama bin Hitler? In God's eyes. Again, it seems humble to act as if no sin is worse than any other, but we lose the impetus for striving and the ability to hold each other accountable when we tumble down the slip and slide of moral equivalence. All of a sudden, the elder who battles the temptation to take a second look at the racy section of the land's end catalog shouldn't dare exercise church discipline on the young man fornicating with reckless abandon. And that's what we have. There are practical implications to this teaching and how it affects our lives as individuals, church life, societal life. And it's all a great lie that all sins are the same. All of a sudden, the elder who battles the temptation to take a second look at the racy section of the Land's End catalog shouldn't dare exercise church discipline on the young man fornicating with reckless abandon. When we can no longer see the different gradations among sins and sinners and sinful nations, we have not succeeded in respecting our own badness. We've cheapened God's goodness, unquote. Another churchman said this. Listen to me now. I hope you're listening. He said, Soon after I became a Christian, I committed a sin that had previously characterized my life for years. Although the sin didn't bother me earlier, now that I was a believer, I was greatly convicted. I went to an older Christian friend for counsel. He could have said something along the lines of this Quote, Yes, this is sin, and it's wonderful that you're upset about it. God's desire is for us to have victory over unbroken patterns of sin. You need to repent and cry out to God for his grace to help you overcome this life-dominating struggle. Instead, he encouraged me by saying, and he has encouraged in quotes, he encouraged me by saying, quote, You need to keep in mind that all sins are equal. What you did was only as bad as worrying or lying, unquote. Although the man meant well, as soon as he said this, I immediately minimized my sin. My brokenness was gone. I thought, quote, everyone sins, and this is the sin I commit. It's no worse than the sins others commit, unquote. Not long after this conversation, I committed the same sin again, dot, 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 and again, dot, dot, dot. When you embrace the idea that all sins are the same, it causes you to have a flippant attitude towards sin. The idea that all sins are the same, or are all equal, is meant to minimize sin. Minimize your sin and everybody else's sin, including huge national sins that destroy nations, like the filth of Sodom, like innocent blood and the butchery of the innocent preborn. It is meant to neutralize you from fighting against sin in your life and sin in society. And that is exactly what the girl that my daughter knows was trying to do. It is a corruptor. It is meant to help you justify your sin and the sin of society. That's what it's meant to do. And it has practical consequences. It's how they sold, along with their false love gospel, it's how they sold the American church to accommodate themselves to homosex in the culture. Did you ever think we would actually see a Christianity that can accommodate itself to homosex? And understand, American Christianity doesn't only accommodate themselves to it. They aid and abet the evil in the land with their false love definition. With their little slogans like, all sins are the same. We are in a dire place in America. Did you ever notice we never seem to hit the bottom? I'm 61 years old. I've watched this nation and its decadence and immorality go like this down 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 for decades. I don't know how many times I've been at the point where I'm like, well, they've done everything bad that you can possibly do. What could they possibly do that could be worse than this and boing, 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 boing. they come up with a new low, something more perverse that shows you the depravity of man knows no limits. It shows you the goodness Christianity brought to Western civilization for hundreds and hundreds of years. As you sink back into a pagan world, you see the goodness of Christianity and what it does for individuals, what Christ does for individuals, what Christianity does for and for nations. Amen. Let's stand up and we'll close in a word of prayer. Father, we rejoice in you, and we give thanks to you for your goodness to us. And Lord, I thank you for this time that we've had to look at these passages, and I pray that you bring many more to people's mind to understand this is a paramount lie. It is a massive lie that has been used to bring evil upon our land to neutralize any efforts to quell the evil in our land, used to justify our sin, justify the sins of others, justify the sins of our nation. Lord, may we see how it must be taken to task, how we must be able to articulate to the culture at large and to the Christian community at large that no, not all sins are the same, That is not what the scriptures teach anywhere. They teach something wholly opposite, that there's a difference of sin, but that simply any sin will put you in hell. Any sin will make you guilty before you, O Lord. Lord, I ask and pray that you help us to be your faithful ambassadors in the earth, that we would take the time to talk to the nation, to the people, to the magistrates, to the churchmen, and that we would tell them your ways, your thoughts. Give them your understanding from your word. I ask and pray, O oh Lord, that you keep our hearts hungry for you, that we draw close to you, and that we remain faithful to you in the midst of such great evil. And we ask this in Jesus' name. you be seated.